Live. You can learn about issues that affect us every day. Stay the world. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your The impact of poverty includes uh, substandard housing, homelessness, inadequate nutrition and child care, uh, lack of access to health care, quality health care, unsafe neighborhoods, under-resourced schools, a multitude of things. So you think, okay, if we can take care of poverty, we can take care of so much more. But it's not an easy task. Hello, everyone. I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live, Real People, Real Talk. My guest today is Dr. George Hinton. He is the CEO of the Social Development Commission, SDC, and that being a community agency that helps, even advocates for Milwaukee County residents living in poverty. So thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Let's talk about... That there's so much that, that I want to get to, you know, like the, the origin of the CDC, you know, the cre- creation of it, um, how strong it was as an advocacy program or agency and how it sort of lost some of that engagement and how the effort is now to bring some of that back. So there's a lot to talk about. But first, the SDC started, what, 60 years ago? 1963. Okay. It actually started as a commission. Uh, Mayor Meyer at the time created the commission, SDC, Social Development Commission, um, as a result of some of the unrest that we were having during those those years. Yeah, the turbulent of, 60s, yes, yeah. Everyone, uh, our community was not happy about the state in which they lived, especially people of color, mm-hmm. African Americans specifically. And uh, I think the mayor at that time saw this as an opportunity to create a commission to work on it so he can continue to do the things that he was interested in, which wasn't necessarily what was going on in our community. Okay. So you got the city creation, but it has state and federal roots as well, right? Well, it went from being a commission, which was created through the action of ordinance, Mm With the, with the city and the county and some support from the state as well to becoming a CAP agency. It was a combined in 1964 um, on the war on poverty with President Johnson. Mm-hmm. He created CAP agencies across the country. And what came along with CAP agencies was some funding. So when the city had an opportunity, they went ahead and made SDC a, a CAP agency in addition to a commission. Gotcha. And when you say commission, what, because we think of, you know, you got your county commission and commission. It just seems like it has uh, some power behind it. Well, it does. It did. And um, it still does. Uh, Just by the ordinance in which it was created, it has the power to address issues that are impacting people in poverty. Um, And in Milwaukee, county specifically, which SDC is responsible for, we're talking about many, many, mostly people of color. Mm -hmm. Not all, but mostly people of color, which gets into the issue of racism and also class, extreme segregation, and all all those factors that impact poverty. What are some of the myths 
about SDC? Well, SDC has a history, Mm -hmm. and I think it has to always, um, and and just like many uh, organizations, especially organizations of color, we have to fight that are perceived as an organization of color. We have to fight through the concept that people think as a result of that we must not be effective. As a result of black people being engaged in it, we uh, not we don't quite know what we're doing. I think those are all myths to continue to not just plague SDC, but many institutions that are perceived as black or, right. or, or people of color run. And we believe, I believe, based on my history uh, of running organizations for over 40 years, is that SDC is a very, very well-run organization and it does great work in the community. Okay. And I guess another myth is that is SDC is just focused on the north side of Milwaukee. And, and, and it's only here to support people of color, especially African Americans, right. and that's not true. Yeah. It's a poverty agency, and, uh, and poverty is not just people of color. As a matter of fact, in a country, more people who are not of color are in poverty. And that in itself is a myth. Uh, the other thing is uh, people in poverty do work. They are the working class mm-hmm. as well. And sometimes we label uh, people in poverty in the wrong way. Good point. Excellent point. Um, when you talk about um, uh, SDC's kind of the beginning and there was a sense of a strong advocacy, right? Mm-hmm. They were on the track. Right. I think what happened in, at the beginning was the need to talk about transforming the system that created the poverty that affected people of color, especially African Americans. Mm-hmm. That's what SDC was initially designed to do is talk about issues that have impacted people of color, both brown and black, uh, as a commission. And its role was to advocate, to study, and then advocate for or bring to the attention of the issues that impact people of of color, especially people in poverty, and don't allow them to then be able to move out of poverty. So um, we have to be versed. So SDC was really charged with not only understanding poverty, Mm -hmm. working with others who research it and bring ideas to the table from across the world, but also really to engage the community and the power, speak to power around the issues that may be affecting people in the community and not allowing them to be all that they can be. Okay. So that, they were doing that well. They were doing it well. I mean, that's, that's when I read some of the history mm-hmm. of SDC, uh, there were a lot of really strong organizations back in the 60s. SDC became a powerhouse in that struggle, mostly because it became a cap agency. Mm, okay. And what that, what that allowed SDC to become was a community-run agency. So at first it was more designed around power base. Uh-huh. But as it became a cap agency, it was required to have people from the community sit on the board. And, and have become, a voice. And have a voice. Mm-hmm. And during those early days, there was a lot of conflict between the ones who were appointed and the ones who were elected. And the people who were elected really, really pushed the agency to address issues that were affecting people in poverty. Very good. Because they knew. They knew because they were coming from the community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they wanted change. 
they wanted the agency to be more than just this rubber stamp on trying to do something. Okay. That's what you want the agency to get back to, yes. right? So where did it lose, lose its way or some of the fire diminish? I think it was running well. Uh, like any agency that's been around for, what, 50-plus years mm-hmm. now, you have your ups and downs and things happen. I think um, it found itself uh, in some issues around how they managed some of the funding that they had in the past. And um, specifically with uh, organizations that are perceived of color or are of color, there is like you get no second chance. Uh, you really get attacked and like you like it's going to be the end of the world. And so I think as a defense to keep the agency in play, it backed away from its its voice of to really support the the people right. to speak to power because they were trying to hold on to their their funding which i find as an issue for most of our social service agencies in the community today because trying to hold on to that funding it it ties you ties you down it ties you down it doesn't allow you to speak to the issues right. because you might be to. stepping on some toes if you do well you will be yeah and 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 that's what SDC is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tough it's a tough line to, to walk because you need the funding to exist, mm-hmm. but you have the mission of SDC is to speak to power. Okay. And it hasn't been. Okay. And so my my thing is I think over time we kind of lost our will to really stay to. The true nature of why we were developed, created. So that's when it came. The prominent thing was transactional. Yes. Right. Yes. Rent assistance and. Oh yeah, I mean the the whole the whole community has gone from being transforming transforming why we had poverty, transforming the issues that is specifically impacted people of color, Mm -hmm. regardless if it was through slavery or through immigration, to really approaching it from a transactional perspective. How do we help people survive? Surviving, it doesn't, it helps. It makes people feel good. Maybe we can help one or two families or many families, but it doesn't take away the problem of why we have poverty, why we have uh, systems in place that may be racist in perspective that have created what we see today. So the transactional is more of a, a Band-Aid. I, I call it a Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it, I'm not, not from the standpoint it's not needed. Right. Because in healthcare, you have to stop the bleeding. You have to do something to make sure that the person doesn't die. Mm-hmm. So you do things to try to, protect, try to stop them from continuously having a bleed out, for example. But it doesn't allow you to actually fix what's wrong. And transformative work will force us to really dig down to the question of why is it that we have continuous generation poverty and then address those issues. And and it's always important to speak. You can't stop transactional work because we have so much poverty. Right. It has to stay in place. It has to stay in place. But there's not enough resources at this point, in my opinion, in this community and across the country that's dealing with trying to go after transformative uh, interventions. Mm -hmm. We have to look at the systems 
processes and the true whys of why things are like they are today. Absolutely. So that's digging deep and that's stepping on toes. Yes. And that's bringing out things that some people don't want to hear. Yeah, it'll bring out things like even social service agencies who are self-perpetuating itself by just being transactional. Uh, the problem never goes away, so the need is always there. Mm -hmm. What you have to do is look at how do we uh, make ourselves irrelevant in the, from, from a social service perspective. But also the government. I mean, the government is controlled through political powers. And there's a lot of benefit for having large groups of people in poverty in this country. So you have to speak to the underlying structures that are keeping people in poverty. That means you need to talk to the gov government and to let them re and remind them that they're for the people and not for the power mm -hmm. of the industries or the capitalism. So there's always this tension between capitalism and our, our structure of how we make money in this country. Right. And then a democracy that's supposed to control and make sure that we have a fair uh, process for all people and an opportunity for all people in this country. And sometimes there's a big imbalance in that. It's been an imbalance for a long time. Mm -hmm. And um, I think people of color have always been uh, not quite given the fair shot that they needed to, to show and really demonstrate, does this really work for everybody? Right, right. And sometimes it's one of those things where it's awareness. You know, people are not aware of how systemically this is uh, imbalanced. Yes, I think we get conditioned over the years mm -hmm. to accept and not think, you think this is the norm. Right. And so we just live it out and we get frustrated and upset and we think, okay, well, just give me this, and that'll make it better. And yes, it will, but it's not going to fix it. Yeah. You know, I made, I have a PhD, but I'm not the norm. Right. Right. And it shouldn't matter. Who, my color. I mean, as a person of color, I'm rare. That's not. That's that's statistically impossible. If you truly have an open society that doesn't look at color. You should have even distribution of people who are successful. And in this country, we don't. And so it's time to look at the why. It's time to go deep into the whys. Okay. And then be strong enough and brave enough to address it. And that's what SDC will become. That's what our board has charged through our strategic planning process to begin to get us back to doing the work of a commission. Very good. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk more about that transformative change and the systems that we're, we're including in that. Okay? Yes. All right. I'm talking to Dr. George Hinton. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Worried about your friend but don't know how to reach out? You can say how while you will get a fake tattoo. You can ask with an app if it works for you. You can chat with them in VR. It's all good if you think you should check in. Yeah, you should. Reach out to a friend about their mental health. 
Learn how you can help at seizetheawkward.org. Hey, boss. Okay. He said I'm fine. Hey, son. Hey, Bob. I know you can talk to me. Yeah. Welcome back to the 411 Live. I'm here with Dr. George Hinton, CEO of the Social Development Commission, SDC. And we're talking about um, the transformation, well, kind of the, the refocusing of SDC, I should say, into that transformative change. And trans doing that and... SDC becoming a leader, you know, getting the research, having the numbers, having the, you know, this and saying, hey, systemically, this is not right. And I'm saying, you're going to step on toes. People are not going to like it. But sometimes the truth hurts, right? Yes. So when you talk about that, um, and this is dealing with poverty, helping people come out of poverty, uh, sustained I guess I'm looking at the institutions that you would be targeting, you know? And I'm thinking of healthcare. We were talking about access to healthcare. That's an issue. Yeah. You're talking about the um, healthcare system. Yeah. You're talking about the food industry. Mm. You're talking about the educational processes and how we do, edu- how we educate people in poverty. Yep. Um, and we're talking about the transportation system. We're talking about economic development, housing. Ooh, All of those areas yep. have to be addressed at the same time. SDC can't do that by himself, by mm-hmm. itself. Uh, what we're trying to do is create a movement that that, that and be part of a movement. I, I'm, I just want to say this. I think people are starting to talk about it in our community. Mm-hmm. To start and understand that transactional is not going to get us to where we need to be. So it's not that SDC is the only one thinking right. about this, but we have to look at it as a, a as a war. War and on poverty. A war on poverty. A true war where you put all you go after it everywhere mm-hmm. simultaneously. You know, we keep thinking, oh, let's attack incarceration. Incarceration is a symptom of. It is not, it is a problem, but the problem is why do we incarcerate? So you have to get to the systemic reasons of why so many people get incarcerated. That will automatically stop the bleeding of incarceration. Right, right. So you really have to go deep. And SDC was really built to to really be a a leader or even if it doesn't do it, it's got to be there to say this has to be done. Right. We can't we can't just stop at transactional inter- interventions. We have to look at it from a transformative. So SDC is presenting the findings. You know, this is the problem. Systemically, this is happening, and this is keeping people in poverty. Okay, all of you other agencies that work with this, look at this. This is what we all need to collectively work on together. Is that? I think it goes deeper than that. I think I'm asking all agencies to take time to actually look at the real problem. 
say if SDC, SDC can't do it all. Right. They're not, they're not big enough, strong enough, or uh, complex enough to be able to look at every single issue and say, here's the problem. Mm-hmm. We've got to have our, our, first of all, our community has to understand this is not the way it has to be. And, and I would love for our community to say, yes, we want you to change it, but not look at it from the standpoint, and, and we need monies to come into the community to make it stop. That's not the issue. I mean, yes, it helps, but it's not going to change anything. Mm-hmm. In, in a lot of ways, if we think about what happened during uh, the, the, the Floyd issue yes. and our young people were saying we want change in the police department, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about changing the culture changing the system in which creates police officers and changing the purpose of the police officers, the police departments across the country to be more sensitive to a diverse community. That's, right. a, that's a deep change. And that doesn't necessarily require more funding. You utilize what you have, but you change the way you're doing things. Exactly. And that's the same thing with healthcare. Mm-hmm. Healthcare is t- that's one of the largest industries in the United States. And if you look at it compared to other countries, it's way higher than it needs to be compared to the, the average. And then we find other countries have healthier outcomes than we do. That means we're That's misallocating true. our resources. And we've built our healthcare system that's not the most effective in the world from a cost perspective mm-hmm. and also from an outcome perspective. And so uh, you look at those systems and you ask the question, why are so many people still sick? given the fact that we spend so much money. And a lot of times people say determinants of health. And, yeah, we have problems with housing and all that. But we also have problems with healthcare resources being placed in the right place, okay, in the right communities mm-hmm. for the right reasons. Because if you go to some of your communities with the highest poverty, you may not see a clinic there. If you do, they're going to be FQHCs or um, clinics that are not resourced in a way that's going to do mm-hmm. adequate care. Right. And FQHCs are like uh, they're federally qualified health centers, um, and they're overrun as well. I mean, you can't really get in there as fast as you need to, so you end up going to the emergency room. That means there's not enough resources mm-hmm. that are there to help hold people in primary care. Right. And so um, the why, uh, part of the why is that uh, the healthcare systems make more money when they take care of people with resources. And so that's a economic model. That's mm-hmm. a model that is designed around for-profit, not around healthcare, care for our nation. Yeah. And we have to decide that we want healthcare, we want people to be healthy. And I think if you're a person of color and you're a poverty, you say yes. I want to have the same opportunity to be healthy as everyone else. And many of our agencies that work on this are not for profit. So I have, you should demand that these agencies work on the health of their community because that's why you get the benefit of not paying taxes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You were also talking about uh, big companies moving into marginal communities and, but not really helping the community, you know, uh, salaries are very, very low, not sustainable for a living, um, and they're not really doing anything to help with the, the growth of 
what wealth within that community? Yeah, I mean, you know, my observation is that when I look at uh, communities and and more prominent communities where there seems to be an not an issue around uh, income, mm-hmm. they don't have a lot of uh, uh, large corporate entities like Walmart or dollar stores or uh, fast food restaurants. They have entrepreneurship engaged in our community. We keep saying we want entrepreneurship in our communities, our poor communities, but we are saturated with large corporate organizations that not all, are not only um, compete, make it hard for small business to compete, but they're also providing, uh, in many cases, um, salaries to people that are not uh, sustainable right. wages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's almost like our systems are built to do exactly what we see because of how they've been invaded by corporations. You know, I'm sorry, McDonald's is a not a good not one of the healthiest, and not, not just McDonald's, but, but fast food, mm-hmm. is not the healthiest food for our community. But it's affordable f- from the standpoint of a person in poverty. Right. But at the same time, it, it creates so many negative outcomes in terms of health long term. And that's what we see as a replacement of good restaurants that are maybe could have been started by entrepreneurs. They mm-hmm. really love cooking and really can bring different um, styles of cooking to our community while providing real jobs. Okay. You know, SDC, you have a huge task. Well, (laughs) I I look at it like this. SDC is the community. Mm -hmm. The community has a huge task. The community has that, yeah. Because we're just a focal point for the community to demand change. Mm -hmm. Like we have an election of commissioners, and I want them to come and help us be a strong agency that's willing to speak to power and and take advantage of all the research that's out there and not just talk about the outcomes, but then say, how do we then change the world? How do we make it a better world for everyone? What can the community do to help SDC? It's got to, you know, the 60s was an interesting time for our community because people were brave enough to say no more. And I don't mean walking the street. I'm just saying we just don't accept it. We're not going to accept in the future that this is the best we can do as a country. And then we demand that we have real change. We demand that we have housing, affordable housing, that doesn't put a burden on the poorest of us to pay disproportionate amounts of energy, that we have a house that keeps us warm in the winter and cool in the summer, and that we can actually afford it so we're not paying half of our salaries on housing. It doesn't have to be that way. There's examples across the world that are showing how to do it. We've got to stop being so arrogant as a nation to think that we know everything 
right now what is what's happening is we're so caught up in stock markets and making a profit that we're not looking at what's in the best interest of all the people in our country. The other problem is we gotta we gotta handle this issue around race. Yeah. Uh, talk to a lot of friends. Long overdue. Who don't look like me? Mm-hmm. Who says George, I'm not racist. I said you're probably not. You don't have to be. Because your systems are are. So you can sit back and just feel good about you not understanding that the systems that are built are built with the intent of exclusion. Wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. Well, Dr. Henson, we just ran out of time. (laughs) We could talk another 30 minutes easily. Um, There is so much... um, you have a wealth of knowledge and so I really really appreciate you coming on and I'm really hopeful and, and appreciative that you are the CEO of uh, Social Development Commission and I look forward to seeing all the, the things that you do and come back again when you need to tell us about something that we need to be aware of and um, I guess the door is always open thank you thank appreciate you. it thanks mm-hmm. for the opportunity excellent excellent to have you And thank you for joining us for another episode of the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Uh, We are a nonprofit organization. If you are so inclined to help us out, just go to our website, the411live.org, and contribute or however you want to lend a hand. And until next time, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live. If you would like to check out past episodes, there are many ways. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like and watch us on Facebook. Watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, go to our website, the411live.org.